0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.
2: I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the Extra Time Podcast.
0: Let's dive straight into the European Super League, Chris. Shall we kind of outline for anyone who has not been following the story that closely that's just seen some of the headlines? I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are very well versed when it comes to all things sport and football. So maybe if we just outline the who's, what's, where's and why.
2: Essentially, long story short, 12 of Europe's biggest football clubs. You've got six from England, the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham. You've got three from Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. And you've got three from Italy, Juventus, AC Milan and Inter Milan they have announced that they have agreed to establish a new midweek competition the European Super League that would be governed entirely by the founding clubs Those twelve clubs, they want to invite another three. Essentially, long and short of it, this is a closed shop. A cabal of twelve clubs now, up to fifteen, and then with five invited spots, essentially ring fencing their own futures. They want to make far more money. It's going to be underwritten by JP Morgan. I think they've put forward five billion US dollars, whereby the big clubs get bigger and forget the rest. That is, in a nutshell, what we're talking about here. Domestic football remains, or at least in their vision of utopia. Domestic football they would continue to play, in the case of the six Premier League clubs, in the Premier League on a Saturday and Sunday. The three Spanish clubs would continue to play in La Liga. The three Italian clubs in Serie A. Come the midweek, they would move into this European Super League. They don't qualify for that because it's a closed shop. They are there every single year. It is split into two groups. One group of ten, the other group of they each play home and away and then we're into the knockout stages top 3 qualify there would then be a little two-legged playoff between the teams finishing 4th and 5th that then creates your quarter finals two-legged affairs all the way through to a one-off final like the Champions League now the key to this though folks it's a closed shop Arsenal I've mentioned them they're having a torrid time at the minute or are they Ninth in the Premier League if Leeds get a win tonight they're down to 10th doesn't matter what's going on on and off of the pitch They're there. They're secure in the knowledge that they are part of this European Super League, come rain or shine. And they've never won a European Cup. And they've never won a European Cup. Nor have Tottenham, for that matter. Nor have Tottenham Hotspur, a lot of people. Or Manchester City. Or Manchester City, indeed.
0: Uh, And uh, in terms of the clubs that are involved, so you've got the six... Premier League clubs the big six you've got three clubs from Spain Um, you've got Barcelona you've got Atletico Madrid you've of course got Real Madrid and then three clubs from Italy AC Milan Inter Milan and Juventus so six from England three from Spain three from Italy interestingly no big
2: clubs from either Germany or France Paris Saint-Germain and I think there is politics linked to that of course Nasser Al-Khalifi is the chairman of PSG he also happens to be pretty high up in the Qatari category kind of structure and order of service over there. He obviously works for B in Sports. They have to be careful with the deals that they've got in place. They're hosting a FIFA World Cup, lest we forget the back end of next year. They're also tied up with the TV rights deal through B in Sports. So they've got to be very careful how they go on all of this. No real surprise to see Bayern Munich you can say what you want about Bayern. Germany, I've often sat on this show and trumpeted what goes on in Germany. I think they get an awful lot right when it comes to the ownership model, fans, the, the ticketing prices. There's a lot of things that Germany and the Bundesliga do well. Bayern Munich, as things stand, of course, they may be, their, their hand may be forced. Right now, right now, they and Dortmund have said, nope not interested for the time being we have got a situation where and I've just been privy to an email that and Soriano the CEO of Manchester City has sent to their partners uh, explaining the situation to say pop along to our website to find the press release that all the 12 clubs who are in, in, involved in this have released and I find it fascinating because the three individuals who have been quoted in this press release Florentino Perez the Real Madrid president he will take up the head Role mm. of this new cabal. Is it You've his got, idea? It is his brainchild, apparently, if you believe the reports. Andrea Agnelli, the Juventus uh, head honcho, he's going to play a, a key role in all of this. And then Joel Glazer, the co owner of Manchester United. Man City have popped that up on their website. There's no ferron Soriano, there's no Caldun Mubarak putting his name or, or quotes to him. And there's no J.W. Henry from Liverpool. John W. Henry. Liverpool have popped up the same statement. So this is, it's a monumental day in football. This is the 12 clubs. A lot of people saying this is a bit of posturing. This is in order to force the hand of UEFA to fall in line for what the big clubs want from this revamped Champions League. But the fact that they've signed their intent, the fact there are press releases out there in the ether tells me they're damn serious. About this, and it has massive consequences to the, football moving um, forward. The interesting line that I saw was it from: as soon as is practicable, they want to start. What does that mean? Well, essentially, as soon as they can get their house in order, they want to sit round a table with FIFA, UEFA, the, the various governing bodies. If they had it their way, they would get an agreement tomorrow. And then they would look to extricate themselves from the Champions League and look to start this European Super League. Maybe next season's come a bit early, the season after that. It's interesting that they say as soon as it's
0: practicable, it still seems like a posture, doesn't it? When When you say that, because if they're going to announce it, surely those are conversations they should have already had. And come out and go by the way our 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 inaugural season will be 2023-24 in
2: order for that to happen rob you need everyone in agreement and right now as you've seen from the fallout over the last 24 hours Alexander Seferin, the UEFA president, up in arms. I mean, some of his quotes that he's been attributed, I mean, he's gone to war. Is what he has. I mean, he is the godfather, for goodness sake, of Andrea Agnelli's daughter. And he's essentially called Agnelli a barefaced liar in the wake of this. He said he spoke to him on Saturday night at length. There was no mention of this. He said he spoke to Ed Woodward last Thursday. Ed Woodward, nope, we're all in favour of your revamped UEFA Champions League. They've pulled the rug away from Alexander Seferin. They've pulled the rug away from us football fans in the last 24 hours. That is a cabal. 12 clubs who have signed their names to this to say we are done with the rest of you. We want a closed shop. We want essentially to stick two fingers up to the rest of football, to even our own fans, because what we want to do is we want to print money. And from, my, from what I'm hearing, they're looking at about four or five times what they can earn in the Champions League by this new European Super League that has been underwritten by JP Morgan with the hope that your Amazons, your YouTubes, your Facebooks, etc., etc., will get on board and they will stump up the cash because, seemingly, it's what we... The public wants
0: Okay, and you've been a, a lifelong fan of Manchester United, yep. one of the clubs involved, Chris. I mean, how do you feel about it personally when you've read about the news and you've, you've, told, you've, you've spoken about being very angry today? Can you kind of put those thoughts and feelings <laughs> yeah. into words? F-
2: fundamentally, I am a traditionalist, and, and again, going over all ground, and I appreciate we're off script and we want to offer different views, and we're going to do that over the course of the next 45 minutes. My own feeling in this, and I've seen a lot written and I've listened to a lot of people today, a lot of people saying it's a bit rich of the Premier League turning around because of course the Premier League extricated itself away from the FA in 1992 to set up the Premier League. The one thing with all of this though that I keep coming back to is despite the fact that we're talking crumbs there is still meritocracy in football. Leicester City still won the Premier League in 2016, despite the fact that we know money flows to the top end. Man Uniteds, your Chelsea, your Man City, whether it's your oil garks, whether it's your royal families, whether it's the Glazer family, you know, American families, billionaires coming in and purchasing uh, the, the, the football clubs, there is still... In my heart of hearts, you know, romance of football where a team can still dream of climbing their respective Everest in their respective countries. Leicester City proved that in 2016. Where it really sticks in my throat with all of this is we're talking of a closed shop, Robert. It doesn't matter what Man United or Arsenal. You're essentially, it's greed. You're lining the pockets of the owners because it doesn't matter what you do on the field. In terms of success, winning football matches, it doesn't even matter what you do off the field in getting your house in order and ensuring that there is a plan to be successful because you know what? Next year, you're going to be in the European Super League once more. What happens to your Leicesters? What happens to your West Ham's? Your Wigan Athletics who won the FA Cup a few years back, your Portsmouth, your Wolfsburgs in Germany, I go back to 2009. That doesn't matter. And despite the fact, and I get what you're going to say, Rob, despite the fact that that little window has narrowed, it, it, you know, there is still huge money that, that swims upwards. There is still that little crumb where a Leicester City can go on and win a Premier League and bloody the nose of the big clubs. It doesn't happen. It's a a very, it
0: is a very small crumb. And I know that was one of the most extraordinary, if not the most extraordinary sporting stories of all time. But... What is that phrase? That saying: "If you invite a wolf to dinner, don't be surprised if they eat all the dinner guests." And that is what a lot that, of people that, are. And that is them. what football have done. I mean, football has been endemically corrupt for an awfully long time now. It sold its soul many decades ago. The game, the global game, the beautiful game, was sold out to money. Manchester United farming their wares across the globe, trying to get in sponsors from random no, companies, no, no tire companies. Either. No, no, but but I'm just saying that. The game of football, whether it be agents making absurd amounts of money like Mino Raiola, whether it be footballers getting signed for, by clubs for £200 million yeah. in excess of, whether it be the or the already existing closed shop, and I, I mean, I... I I do tend to agree with you, by the way. I'm, I'm somewhat playing devil's advocate here, but essentially, if you take Leicester aside, you've got to go back to Blackburn to get the last, the last team outside of this top six, this big six, and Spurs don't even count because they haven't won the league. So it's really five clubs that have been dominating the Premier League. Blackburn used Jack Walker's money yeah. to buy the league. Yeah. Leicester were, were a complete one-off. We all accept that. They were a, somewhat of an a aberration. Sure, it was a great story. It was a fantastic story, but the, the point remains that they stand alone as a beacon of of romanticism in an otherwise dominated landscape by clubs that continue to get richer. In the German Bundesliga, founded 57 years ago, Bayern Munich have won over half the titles. They've yeah. won 29. Dortmund and Gladbach have won five apiece, 24 titles ad- adrift. Bayern have won the last eight Bundesliga, this trend is only going one way. The rich are only getting richer. It's the Jeff Bezos effect. It's this pandemic coming and his wealth just explodes while everyone else gets poorer. And that's what's happening in football. PSG, now they're somewhat arrivistes, aren't they? They're nouveau riche. They've won seven of the last eight Liga and titles since they came into absurd foreign wealth. Yeah. Only Monaco have upset that dominance in 1617. In, in Spain, 60 of the 89 La Liga titles. I didn't know any of this. I just looked it up today just to get an in, a kind of a hand on where things were Madrid have 34 Barca have 26 Atletico are on 10 and the last time any of those sides won Atletico Bilbao incidentally have 8 but their last title was in 83-84 since 2000 only 3 La Liga titles have not been won by either Real or Barca so where is the competitiveness really Where is this beautiful romanticism that we speak of? It's gone decades ago. But
2: equally, there is, I come back to it, the crumb may be a small one, but I look at Sevilla this season, Rob. Sevilla only six points off the top. Julian Lopetegui's done a wonderful job. Who's top of uh, France right now? It's Lille a point clear of five games to go in France the point is these clubs with correct management money doesn't make necessarily the world go round we look at what Man United have done they've squandered millions hundreds of millions you look at Arsenal and they should
0: have been buried but they haven't been Man United should have plummeted
2: and and money has kept them up they've not won a league title since 2013 they they haven't Man United have had an absolute torrid look at Leicester they finished fifth last season they're third right now we're talking about that's because they've got a plan off the field and Brendan Rogers, you know my thoughts on Brendan I think he's a top coach he's improved the football players Arsenal are in ninth the Malays set in there Man United okay they've been fortunate this season they've done well always made a little bit of progress they've still not won anything under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, sure. this is protecting the big clubs, Rob. This is essentially saying to your Glazers, to your Cronkies, to your Agnellis, you know what, you go in there, you'll get paid obscene monies to line your own pockets. And it's the fans that will lose out ultimately, because what is the need to invest in your squad when you know fine well you're going to be in the European Super League next year and the year after that, and the year after that as founding fathers or founding figures or founding clubs of this league? It's a nonsense.
3: This
0: is Extra Time. One of the most seismic few hours or at least days in as football that I can remember. Uh, certainly, Chris, there's, there's
2: no doubt about that. And th- it, no one really saw this coming. It was an ambush, this well, announcement. Uh, there's a lot of people that felt, uh, Joe Morrison, case in point, commentator, of course, man who fronts up La Liga over in India. He was in this very studio. I remember two years ago, 80 months ago, I've had many a conversation with Joe. He has said from day dot. European Super League, it's an inevitability. What I think we are project big picture didn't we, that was kiboshed just a couple of months back. I think it's the timing of it, and there will be those cynics out there that say, "Oh, wait a minute, you had the UEFA Champions League Revamp announced today, and there they are announcing this last night, that it maybe is a bit of preening. It is maybe a little bit of looking to get a little bit more out of the deal. I think it's more than that. The fact that clubs have gone to a press release, the fact that clubs have put their name to said press releases tells me that the wheels are in motion, folks, and, and it's a train that ultimately we might not be able to get off on or we might need to hop on. It might just be an inevitability now that football is at a crossroads and that we're about a fork in the road and we're all about to take different paths.
0: We can bring our first guest onto the line, Chris, yep. and this is a man who is in favour. indeed. Of the... Great European to have him. Super League. He's a
2: busy boy. He's agreed to pop on for five minutes. Safe Ruby. Uh, he is an agent, a man who has represented a litany of footballers. Antonio Rudiger, one of those. The Chelsea defender and Safe joins us live on the line. How are you this evening, Safe?
1: Um, I'm very, very good. Um, I'm, you know, in fact, I've, as you know, I've worked with uh, not just players. I work mainly with the clubs, and I've worked with a lot of these clubs that are uh, in the media at the moment.
2: You have safe. I know you're a busy boy. You've got the inside track. I had a little chat with you on WhatsApp a little earlier today. I would say, safe, you're in, well, I think the minority, you'll maybe tell me differently. You can absolutely get on board with the European Super League. It's
1: not about absolutely getting on board, but I feel like we need to get to the bottom of really where the redistribution of wealth is going. And I think there's more to it than just a big money grab. Um, I don't think all these clubs will be, you know, doing just a money grab. If there wasn't more to it, in order to appease the rest, and by the rest I mean, you know, certain elements of grassroots and things like that, because it is going to be a lot of money thrown at this.
0: Okay, safe. So, are you saying that there will be money heading back from the European Super League into the coffers of clubs further down the pyramid?
1: Um. I can't say exactly, but I feel my gut instinct tells me that there's more to it than just an outright money grab from these teams because at the end of the day, they've still got to, um, you know, be in their national leagues. But also, it could be a bit of posturing in general between them and and UEFA. But obviously, they've taken it quite far down the line. Um, And from what I understand, all the clubs um, have actually got an agreement with UEFA uh, till 2024.
2: So we're looking at the 2024-25 season for when this European Super League can come off the ground, if indeed it does. I want, to, I want you to take off that professional cap of yours, safe, looking at, looking at this uh, purely through the prism of a football fan. The notion of a closed shop, the notion of clubs getting a seat at the top table, season in, season out, irrespective of how they do on the football field. Does that sit well with you?
1: No, it doesn't sit well with me. But, you know, if we look at, obviously, the models they've based it on, which is things like the NFL and the NBA, which is kind of like a franchise model, um, you know, ultimately, those are very, very, very successful financially, extremely successful financially with extremely big fan bases. So why not football?
0: I would say, safe that interestingly, there's less competitive variation in football as things stand now we were just looking at some of the kind of recent results in in the five major European leagues and and most of these leagues are dominated by one or two clubs and have been for quite some time if you were to look at the NFL because of the draft ironically it's a closed shop and yet it is somehow more competitive you a fan of a particular team that hasn't done very well or hasn't made the playoffs in a long time might get a good a good roll of the dice in the draft and might suddenly feel like they've got a chance entering into a new season if football so goes there you go. if football goes down this road though do we need to come up with a similar model like they use in the nfl to level that playing field if indeed it will be a closed shop in the european super um, league
1: well let me tell you what i feel and i'm sure obviously these guys behind the scenes are looking into all of this right now but i'm sure there's going to be restrictions on how many players you can sign from other teams in the league and things like that which what will mean then is those teams might have to then buy you know players that are not in the super league which obviously then means money goes down to other teams and obviously the money will have a trickle down effect to other teams in those countries
2: I just I just can't get my head around the notion, though, that, that clubs, uh, does it not, and again, I appreciate you're on the other side of the fence, Safe, does it not just ultimately line the pockets mm-hmm. of the owners? The fact that it is, and I keep calling it a cabal, the fact that it is a closed shop, are the real winners, the fans aren't the real winners, the real winners are those individuals that own these football clubs, is it not? Uh,
1: well, the fans are going to be winning because hopefully they're going to get a, an amazing product to watch, just like, you know, um, you know, you guys just mentioned now regarding the fact that if you look at all the five major leagues at the moment, it's being dominated by one or two teams. What, what, so at least the fans are actually going to get some weekly competitive viewing potentially.
2: What do fans of Everton, fans of West Ham, though, what do they get out of this? Because they are then, you know, they, they're, they're closed out. They, they, they don't get a say in anything. They are the the ones that, you know, again, you look at West Ham this season, I use Leicester as a great example. They're top three and top four, respectively. They're due to play in the Champions League. If we do go down this road, are those fans going to be happy? Can I, I,
1: I'd i like to make a small point on that. If you actually look at the, the team that finishes bottom of the Premier League gets more money than most teams that are finishing in the top five in all the leagues that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, So I'd hardly be feeling sorry for them.
2: Yeah, but I'm meaning from a sporting standpoint. I always, I always try and look listen, at it. From- listen, 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 sporting is great and beautiful.
1: By the end of the day, you talked about owners, it's a business, and they've got to run it as a business. You know, the future of, 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 of the world is digital. You know, sporting rights, media rights, all going to be digital. Everybody's jostling to be the Netflix of sport, and these type of things are all contributing towards that.
2: Is there not a way, and again, last one from us, is there not a way, though, that instead of breaking up the status quo, is there no way that we can look at the product that we've got now and find a better way that doesn't see the quote-unquote big clubs breaking away and sticking two fingers up to the rest?
1: Let me tell you the problem, okay? And this is very, if if you want to actually summarize the whole thing very simply, okay, is that UEFA have been running their racket for a long, long time. And this was their, the big clubs' way of saying, we don't need you. And they don't need them because at the end of the day, why do the big clubs need UEFA to negotiate their TV um, yeah, you know, rights and, so, then, and then give them and then give them their share? It should be the other way around.
2: Yeah, don't disagree with that. I think it's all about trying to create as much of a fair fair and proper competition. That's why UEFA take ownership of it. They're trying. They're level yeah, best. Yeah, take ownership of the
1: competition, not the TV rights. That's what I'm trying to tell you. the end of the day... it's the teams that are the reason why there's money in the coffers, not UEFA. Mm.
0: Safe, last one. Very quickly, is this going to end in some kind of compromise? Are are UEFA and and these 12 clubs going to negotiate a deal or will this push ahead, do you think?
1: Um, I feel a compromise. I feel like this is like some very, very high-level Russian roulette, posturing, Dutch auction, you name it. (laughs) 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 And I think that in the end, they need to find a solution. But I mean, look... Only time will tell whether it's the right decision or not. This is extra time. I
0: got a message in from Karlic to say the gentleman spoke well. His arguments are not emotional. This is the reality. Accept it or find a new sport. No, I don't want to find a new
2: sport, Karlic. <laughs> I've invested too much time <laughs> yeah, in exactly. effort and money.
0: You're talking about a lifetime of yeah. blood, sweat, and tears yeah. has been poured into watching football for Chris McCarty I cannot give up on it. A- who poured a lot of energy into playing the game at an extremely high level, is joining (laughs) us now.
2: Not me. That isn't me. It's the (laughs) other Robbie. It is Liverpool legend, former Man City lead striker as well. A man who you've been hearing his dulcet tones an awful lot of over the course of the last 13, 14 weeks on Dubai 103.8. It is our good mate. It is Robbie Fowler who joins us live on the line. I think he's taking his boy to football practice this evening. He has joined us from the UK. Afternoon or evening to you, Robbie. Uh, well, good evening to you fellas, how are you, okay? Yeah, well, we're not bad, we're still reeling somewhat I mean, I've just been pacing up and down I'm I'm a stressed head this afternoon with this news And I just want to get your thoughts, Rob in, in terms of a man who's played the game at the highest level One of Premier League's greatest ever strikers The idea of a European Super League Does it stick in the throat or can you actually get on board with it?
3: You know what, Chris, I, I, look, I mean, I understand the concept, yes, of course, I do, but I mean, I, I don't see, the. what is this different to the, uh, the Champions yeah. League? You know, so we have something that is there already and something that works already. So all of a sudden, it, it just stinks of clubs wanting the, to be a little bit greedier and trying to jump on board with something to get more out of out of everyone else. I mean, I, I don't like it. It's just, I mean, there's upro- uproar in this country over what's happening. Um, you know, we've we've spoke for well for almost a year now about saying how important the fans are. Uh, you know, we've been playing football games in stadiums and our fans we all missed them. Now, as soon as something like this happens, and all, all of a sudden you've got you've got a little bit of a divide with the fans and the club straight away. So mm. it's yeah, it's I mean it's it's unruly. It's 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 wrong. It really is. Uh, I understand football is a business. We all know that. Uh, but look, you know, let's. This can happen. I know clubs have signed, or it looks signed, so it does look as though it's, get, it's going to go ahead. But I'm sure there's going to be loads of um, repercussions down the line in terms of, I mean, infrastructure of football clubs. You know, local FAs, whether they'll allow them to. Um, you know, the clubs are coming out saying it's for the, for the long term or longevity of looking after. You know, the football pyramids, etc. I think that's just a little bit of an excuse or yeah. a little bit of a, a reason why they want to do it. Um I mean the, the relevant FAs from the clubs are involved, uh are they gonna say to them, Look, we know that you want to go in this competition but you also have a team uh, in the domestic league. Surely that can't happen. Surely the the relevant FAs just turn around and say, Well look, if you want to go in that league, you going in that league. But yeah. well, you know what? Cold Bluff. This, uh, this is not happening, you know. you if wanna go in domestic, you know, cup competitions or, you know, leagues in this one, um, you know, it's not happening. Um in terms of the infrastructure of how that's all going to be, I mean, what's going to happen with this European Super League? Is it going to be, you know, you'll have a 25-man squad here and a different 25 squad for the Premier League. You know, it's... it's I mean, there's so much to sort of um, to digest. Yeah. I think it's actually quite frightening. I mean, the fact is that, you know, we talk about the development of the game. Now, what happens to academies who've spent, you know, millions and millions ploughing money into uh, into these academies trying to get players to come in through the first year? Now, all of a sudden, there's... Uh there's not really that pathway that we've all you know cried out for for years, you know that that potentially could go you know go out of the window as well.
0: Robbie have we been sort of as a as a sort of football loving community kind of sleepwalking towards this kind of inevitable moment for a long time because if you if you sort of think back of of all the kind of major milestones of football kind of selling itself in kind of bits and pieces over the years foundation of the the Premier League would obviously have been a dramatic impact over in the UK and then these wealthy oligarch owners coming in Abramovich buying Chelsea obviously with Manchester City with with Paris Saint-Germain as well and Agents making crazy money, players being sold for crazy fees, this whole kind of sanitised post-COVID kind of world in which we just got duped into thinking fans were in the stadium. They just injected some fake noise and the whole thing has just got this this fakeness about it. Do you feel like this is a progression that football's been on this path for a long time or is this like an ambush? Where actually it should it should make us come to our senses and find a way to kind of dial back the clock if that's possible,
3: yeah, I think it's been coming for a long long time as you know we, you've just mentioned all the um you know all, all of the reasons why I mean also think about the Premier League you know the Premier League is um i mean it's what happened certainly in this country, you know we had divisions and all of a sudden the premier League came in, and then all of a, all of a sudden the, uh, the money became you know extravagant in this country's uh quite frightening i mean you think of um like your europa league you think of yeah. uh you cups you think of uh you know the nation's league you think of your know, more teams going into um you know the, the uh the world cup so it has been it has been coming for a while i mean i actually don't know the answer and, and i think you know you should always try to progress anyways um Know, as a sports book, I mean, there's certainly different ways, and yeah. probably I think better ways to progress. And and for me, this is not the answer because you're taking a, you're taking away something that, I mean, you're taking a, maybe centuries of traditions away from clubs who all of a sudden uh, have a divine right to go and uh, get in this, um, get to getting this competition. You know, it, it's wrong. You know, you know, you got to earn the right to you know to to get in comp- competitions or in world cups in, uh, in Champions Leagues, in in all these competitions. Um, but this one's not. You know, this, this is like, uh, well, listen, you're, you're a powerful club. You can come in if you want. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've seen reports today, and uh, you know, all the different types of teams that are going in. Uh, I mean, Tottenham, for example. And no disrespect to Tottenham. Um, you know, obviously they're seen now as one of the the, the powerhouses if you like, of, obviously of uh, British football. But someone actually put out a tweet today, which is it's like all oh, it's like a king. Um, the Avengers uh, getting on a phone call to, to Banana Man after an exit <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I mean, that's obviously no disrespect to Tottenham, but that's, you, you can obviously see where I'm coming from. Yeah. Can't
0: Robbie, just quickly obviously, Gary Neville spoke very passionately and very, very eloquently on the subject yesterday uh, for Sky Sports when he was talking, in particular, his disappointment. Uh, in both Manchester United, his team, and Liverpool as well, because they are the traditional powerhouses of English football and they do pertain, they purport to be clubs for the people as well. Did you feel a tinge of disappointment that Liverpool were involved in all of this?
3: Yeah, no, I I do. Um, I mean, Liverpool are well-documented as being a a well-run family club, Uh, but it seems to me as though, you know, they want to be a family club when it suits them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: You no, That's the best thing. That, that's the best analogy I can probably give you. Yeah, I can't you know, it's, it's not about. It, it, it's not about the club. You know, it's not always about the club. You know, we, we see, um, you know, football. Our fans is nothing now. All the fans have come out and been uproar, and this is a chance for maybe lots of clubs uh, to, to you know, to come out and 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 try and right what's what's been wrong. You know, we all feel it's wrong, uh, and clubs now have a chance of maybe trying to get. A foothold in terms of um, in terms of fan fan ownership. It'd be like, no, not saying fans can come in and you know, buy clubs, but what I'm saying is you get fans who come in and, and probably really appeal to you know what the clubs are all about. Uh, and you know, I mean, if you start doing all of this um, with what's happening, then you know the clubs, the football clubs, are getting further and further away from uh, from, from what you know football should be like from a fan point of view. One
2: hundred percent, Rob. This
1: is Extra Time.
0: We've been discussing, debating this European Super League, which seems like it's an inevitability, but at the same time, I think such has been the vitriol, such Mm -hmm. has been the the strength of the reaction that I would imagine conversations being had at the very top of uh, the negotiations here to sort of perhaps... Offer an olive branch to UEFA, or I don't know. Exactly that. Are these clubs going to... They won't want to lose face by crawling back no. from these declarations, but it, I wonder what's going to happen next. It's a seismic
2: day because of the fact that they have signalled... This is their intent. there are still an awful lot of hurdles to cross, but it is it's a sad day, as things stand i 've heard from Safe we 've heard from Robbie Fowler that it may well be a posturing that this may well be just to to garner a little bit of extra you know pocket money off of UEFA. That remains to be seen, but we have to take it at face value, Robin at face value it's twelve clubs going up to fifteen that are saying we 're done with the way that football is run currently. It's a closed shop cabal, as I keep coming back to, and I, for one, I'm not on board with it at all.
0: We've heard from Safe Ruby, the football agent, who appears to be okay with the idea of a European Super League. He can understand and he can see the benefits of it. Robbie Fowler, ex-Liverpool legend, certainly wouldn't be happy with the way that football is going. What about a Leeds United fan? Yeah,
2: well, this is interesting. Eddie Taylor, who's joined us numerous times on this broadcast, a man, you've got to follow this guy on Twitter. He is one of Leeds' genuinely biggest fans. He's a man who's worked in football. He's worked on fanzines, magazines, all of his life. Edward, good evening to you, my friend. Good evening, how? are you going? yeah very well edward i do wonder we've heard from an agent we've heard from a football player what about and we've heard i'm speaking with a little bit of passion because i am a fan of a club that is involved in this cabal as i call them what about a fan whose football club is on the up and up everyone who's seen league united this season marcelo bielsa will know there have been a breath of fresh air for the premier league where does a football fan that follows league united stand on this news today
4: Well, we're all incredibly disappointed, I think. I mean, I think when you think of the journey that we've been on, we were out of the Premier League for 16 years. We went down to the third tier of English football and we've built our way back up. And most importantly, we've built our way back up through um, the the, the best of footballing principles, which is hard work, uh, excellent tactics uh, and sort of a club-wide commitment to getting back in the Premier League. We haven't spent our way Uh, to get up there. We haven't, uh, you know, dipped into the pockets of uh, an oligarch to get us up Mm. there. We've done it through shrewd investment and hard work and the the genius that is Marcelo Bielsa. And then the second we do get back up to the top table, we find out that six clubs have chopped chopped one of the legs off. I think it's an absolute outrage that they could be so dismissive of uh, British football, British football's uh, histories and traditions. And could be so dismissive of, I think most importantly, the plight of so many clubs up and down um, England who are struggling amid a pandemic. I think it's, um, I think it's appalling, and I think it speaks to the worst instincts of money, the money that's in the game at the moment.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. And and I suppose the question now, Eddie, is what happens from here? Because, you know. I think, I would imagine the press conferences for the likes of Pep Guardiola yeah. and Jurgen Klopp are going to be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. They're, they're now, they are going to be the outward facing sort of, they are the face of their clubs as managers of their clubs. It won't be the owners fronting up. And this, I think this, this sense of uh, injustice will only intensify over the coming months. Can they really hold firm, these 12 clubs? I'm speaking really mainly about the six in England, because I think they're going to come under the most scrutiny for this, particularly Arsenal and Tottenham, because let's be honest, I mean, do they even warrant a place at the top table? These are two clubs that have never won a European Cup.
4: I mean, I think what's going to be really interesting, as you say, we still don't know how this is going to work. We don't know how the Premier League is going to react. Apparently there's a meeting of the 12 clubs tomorrow to see what their response is going to be. Are they going to be part of the English league structure next season? Are they not? What are the punitive measures going to be in place? And I think that when we begin to know more, I guess we'll get a sense of how the personalities in the game, the players and the managers, actually feel about Mm. this and then start to respond to it. We've already seen Jose Mourinho leave today. There's rumours that that was because of his reaction to the Super League. I don't know how true that is. There's rumours that Klopp might be considering his position. And I'm actually interested to find out, with the Euros around the corner, if the Premier League and UEFA come good with their threat of banning these players from international football, are the players going to up and make a stand now will a harry kane stand up and kind of go this isn't something that i want for me and my career and i think that's going to be an interesting thing now and as you say in the press conferences that are coming these are playing liverpool tonight and i imagine there's going to be nothing to do with football being discussed after the match however the result goes all of the questions are going to be about what now what do the players think about it what does the manager think about it And it would be gratifying if uh, some of the most high-profile players in the game go, this isn't why I joined Arsenal, this isn't why I joined Liverpool. I joined to be part of a meritocratic uh, football pyramid in which you you get and you achieve your rewards through hard work. I mean, Liverpool spent 30 years for them to win a league title, and now they want to be part of a system whereby there's there's, there's no penalty for failure. There's no, uh, you know, all of your, your financial rewards are baked in and are um, at the expense of any other clubs that might come into the system. You know, apparently there was a rule that apparently the three floating members, if they win the thing, they get less than Barcelona, or even if Barcelona don't win a game or something like that. Absolutely antithetical to the point of what competitive sport is all Correct. about. And I really, really hope that some of the players and some of the managers stand up and go, if this is the future, on out.
2: I would love to see it, Eddie. You know where I'm going with this. Jurgen Klopp tonight says, "I'm done." Before his pre-match or his pre-match interview tonight, just says, "If this goes the way it's going, I'm done at this football club." And I would love to see more managers say just that. It will be interesting. And of course, it's a headache that Jurgen doesn't need. He's trying to get Liverpool back into the top four yeah. for next season's Champions League. And yet, one of the Which questions? Which may not exist in a few years. It's just. You know, and, and it it's it's ends, insane.
4: Like, we could be we could be looking at the real prospect tonight that this is the last time Liverpool play at Elland Road. Imagine that. Imagine the history of these two clubs combined. You know, going way back to the 1965 FA Cup final when two two emerging teams uh, at, at that time played in the. the, the either side could have won the FA Cup for the first time then for the next 10 years they dueled at the top table winning championships winning European trophies winning FA Cups. Don Revie and Bill Shankly together phoning each other up after every match on a Saturday night to find out how each other gone so mutual respect between the two all three Liverpool or sorry all three Leeds United League championships have been settled at Anfield the the when every time Leeds United have won the Second Division Championship, Liverpool have been champions. Our clubs' histories are intertwined, and yeah. tonight could be the last time as Liverpool play Elland Road. And it, frankly, it is a disgrace. But
0: by that, I take it you sort of interpret the Premier League's response to be to kick these clubs out of the Premier League.
4: I, I, I think that most clubs and fans would demand that that yeah. would be their response. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So the Premier League. I hope it is. Wow. The Premier League could say, "Okay, you're doing this. You're not part of this. You're not getting. You're not getting. Uh, as a phrase, you're not getting your cake and eat it, essentially." Right. Yeah,
4: there is a rule in the Premier League to say that you cannot compete in any uh, club competition without the express approval of the Premier League board. Yeah. They have broken that sanction by by forming. Uh, a, a new competition that they, they're playing with without the express, pr- express permission of their league, i.e., the Premier League. So the Premier League needs to sanction them to the fullest authority, and I think that must remove, That must include removing from the competition.
0: Eddie Taylor there, always very eloquent on the very subject dudes. of football, and particularly when it comes to Leeds United.
2: I um, hope you've enjoyed the conversation, talking all things European Super League. This story is going to run and run, and We should really just head to a sports bar and talk it all over with listeners. That's what we should be doing, Rob.
0: Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast with
2: myself, Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it and please do give us a review.
2: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8
0: podcast.
1: Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.